Welcome to the WealthStream Podcast. The team at Hightower Great Lakes share their insights and passions for empowering their clients to live their best life. In this energetic podcast, we will take you on a journey to help you navigate your financial future, overcome life's challenges to reach your financial goals, and find the financial clarity you've been searching for. Let's explore the downstream impact of your wealth and what it means to you, your family, and your community to live greater. Hello and welcome to The Wealth Stream with Tim Scannell from Hightower Great Lakes. Today we're going to be talking about wealth protection strategies. And uh, Tim, this is something that everybody wants to protect is their wealth. I would I would assume at least nobody's out there just you know, burning it, I suppose. Exactly. <laughs> that, that's one way to protect it, not set it on fire. That's right. Put it in a cave somewhere, right? Uh, yes, absolutely. So that's number one uh, on your list, I'm sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> so where do we start today with wealth protection strategies? Well, as we talked about in the past, uh, when we work with our clients, we're focused on five primary areas, you know, wealth preservation, which is rate of return. It's kind of the foundation of everything that we do and all advisors do. But we also focus on wealth enhancement, um, which addresses minimizing taxes, mm-hmm. focusing on cash flow, wealth transfer, you know, making sure that at some point, you know, during their life or when they pass, that the assets transfer properly to their heirs. And we also focus on charitable giving in a way that we try to make sure that their gifts they're making are meaningful and maybe more impactful. But today we wanted to focus on the fifth area, which is wealth protection. And when we talk about wealth protection with clients, we're really trying to make sure that their assets are protected from what we call unjustly taken. You know, these are all legal processes, so it's nothing gray. Um, It's really just making sure that as we work with our clients, with our you know CPAs, CFPs, certified team, and as we work with their professionals, their attorneys, their trust officers, things like that, we're just making sure that um, their wealth is protected. And today, specifically, we wanted to talk about asset protection strategies, and you know, are there ways to protect or shield clients' wealth? So that, that's really what we wanted to go over today. All right. So where do we start with that? I mean, there's always there's always a beginning. Yeah. So. What I want to convey today is there's really three takeaways that I'll go through and, you know, just tell you about them in advance. So number one is that um, when we're doing asset protection, what we're really trying to do is stop lawsuits from happening in the first place Mm. um, and and making it hard for, you know, creditors or other people who might want to go after your assets to to do it. And these are things you need to do in advance. Um, The second area of the takeaway is really that Everything that clients do and that we do with them needs to be very transparent. And I mention that because you can listen to the radio or look on the internet, and there's a lot of people talking about, you know, hiding your assets or effectively, mm-hmm. you know, doing things that people can't see. But the reality is that the proper asset protection processes focus on transparency to make sure that, you know, people can see what you're doing um, and not necessarily hiding it. And, and then also the third takeaway really that is that it's it's a multi pronged approach. There's a lot of things you're going to end up doing. There's not one solution. Um, and you really need to have it coordinated with all of your advisors to make it effective. Okay. So are we going to hit all three of those areas today? We are. We are. Okay. So the first thing I thought was, you know, just to kind of restate what we think are, is the obvious, but um, maybe some clients don't, is just talk about what the problem is. And we just, we're in a litigious society. Um, mm-hmm. There's lots of opportunities for people to go after. You're, if you're a high-income professional, if you're an entrepreneur, there's a lot of areas where you've got liability and risk. Um, it used to be, I think, when 
you know, maybe 15, 20 years ago, we would work with physicians and they were, you know, high, obviously high risk because things can go wrong and they have medical malpractice. But uh, I find that with all the entrepreneurs and business owners I work for, really there's a lot more of this type of litigation is happening to them that maybe they didn't see in the past. So it, it, it's a litigious society. People are using it as a tool. And if you have substantial net worth, if you're a high income professional, um, you need to do it. And, you know, one thing, when I talk to clients, they'll say, um, you know, they'll complain about attorneys or they'll complain about the legal profession. But I honestly, I love working with attorneys and I love the profession. And really, they're the ones who are keeping us from the business world being the Wild West, you know, or um, I don't know, I'm not saying going back to the old and shoot them out. But uh, I yeah, think that different. if we all have good attorneys and good professionals, um, it does make uh, the world safer. And so uh, I'm a pro attorney, I guess is what I want to say. Cause I know a lot of times I talk to clients or other advisors where they just complain about their attorneys. Yeah. And I think it's, it's true in any profession. You've got great attorneys and then you've yeah. got some shady attorneys. I mean, and that, that's all there is to it. And there's, there's attorneys that will go, that will be out there that will just be in it for their own gain, their own money. And they're happy to bring a lawsuit against anybody if they think that they can get money out of the client that's going to pay them to do so. And that's exactly. just that's just shady. But you've got a ton of attorneys out there that are doing the right thing and just really trying to protect people. And that's I mean that's who we want to work with. Exactly. And and the other part, the other problem, not only is this uh, you know there's a lot of litigation going on, but um, as you can imagine, and we see it, and you probably see it too. But there's a lot of inaction on behalf of the clients, right? So when we first meet with a prospect or we're talking to a client, we you know we'll just say, what have you done to reduce the risk of losing your wealth? And um, oftentimes, you know, there's just a, a deer in the headlights or, you know, well, I have a will, I have a trust. Um, but there's just so much more involved with that. And it's not, not even necessarily the client itself, but if they're, if they're an entrepreneur business owner, it's their employees that's, that can do things that can impact them. Mm. Or it's their family, their mm -hmm. kids, their grandkids, you know, things like that. Yeah, very true. And in our experience, there's just far too many people who don't address it. So we just make sure that this is, you know, on the, on the agenda and on the checklist and on the planning processes that we do. Yeah. I, I think it's a lot of people just think it's just not going to happen to me. I mean, that's not, mm -hmm. it's not something I really have to worry about. That's, that's for so-and-so over there. Cause you know, they've got this type of business or they've got that type of family, right? I mean, <laughs> Oh, I could see them getting sued, but they just don't think I, it's not, it's not something I have to be concerned about, but that's just not accurate. Right. And, you know, I'd like to look at it like when we look at the solutions or talk about strategies, they really are strategies. And the analogy I like to use is, you know, when you're watching or playing football or you're watching any sporting event, there's obviously rules out there. So once you know what the rules are, mm -hmm. um, it's just much easier for you to uh, implement strategies to work within the rules, but, you know, protect your wealth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and that's, that's part of the, the number one point I always bring up with clients is that there, there's no formal like body of law or, you know, which says, hey, asset protection rules. It's really all about strategy and tools. And, and it, it falls under what you would call the broader umbrella of risk management. Um, you know, risk management, there's legal planning. Uh, but this also gets into, you know, making sure that when you assemble your team of professionals, you have a really qualified property and casualty uh, agent, you know, mm -hmm. somebody who can really also talk about risk mitigation or passing some of this risk on to the bigger, larger insurance companies that do this for a living. Mm, yeah. And then as we get into, you know, what specific strategies, 
there's really two primary, I would say, focuses or goals or outcomes that we like to, um, you know, address when we're doing these planning. And number one is, you know, when we set up strategies, we're looking to discourage or deter a possible lawsuit before it ever really begins. You know, so if possible, you don't want to be in a situation where all of a sudden you're being sued or, you know, you're getting divorced or you're, you're one of your your children is getting divorced. Then you have to start addressing, you know, where are these assets going? How am I protecting my business? Uh, but so in advance, that that's the number one thing that we talk to people about is um, doing things to discourage lawsuits from ever even showing up. Mm -hmm. You know, so for example, um, I'm working right now with a, a case, on a case where a client of mine um, is selling selling a home and buying another home, and um, they are it's it's a uh, short sale. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's a home that was built. The builder and the the owner had some litigation, you know, dis disputes about it. Um, they couldn't sell it. There's a number of liens against it. Now the bank is ready to foreclose on this house, and my client went in there to buy it you know, basically from the bank. Mm -hmm. um, but what's happened is, uh, you know, the, it, just as an example of deterrence from lawsuits, the bank is now um, really, uh, they, they're holding some of the liens. They're making it difficult for my client to purchase. And my client is mad, obviously, because yeah. they went into this deal hoping to get a new house. But the reality is these banks are so big and so powerful, that in and of itself is a deterrent you know, from trying to file a suit against them because they have mm -hmm. more money than, you know, you, you ever will. And they have a full-time professional legal team. Um, and so it's just hard to beat them. And, and so in effect, just the nature of them is that they're a deterrent. Yeah. And that's frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> it is, you know, I mean, this is the, it was a dream house and it may still happen, but the issue is they also walked into the transaction and they really, um, I, I think the representation they had or the attorneys they had really didn't understand um, all the details and the, you know, where these liens were before they made the offer. So again, you try to do all your work up front if possible. Yeah. And then, so in addition to trying, you know, to do things where you can de deter lawsuits, um, we also talk about, you know, mo things that'll motivate creditors to settle. Um, you know, so if a lawsuit does occur and it's moving forward and we're trying to just minimize the expense or the loss, uh, you want to make sure that we've done things in advance, maybe how the property is owned, how your business is owned, what legal entities are in there, uh, to make sure that the, the creditors or the people who are trying to sue you um, are motivated because they can see it'll be very difficult and very expensive and very time-consuming to come after the, this wealth. Mm -hmm. um, and, and as a result, typically they're just motivated to settle in, in terms that are more favorable to you. Yeah. Um, so... Those are the two the, the two categories. I, I guess, like I said, we you know discouraging and deter, and then the second is motivation to settle. Um, so I guess we could get into maybe some of the steps that we normally take with clients. All right, sounds good. Okay, so asset protection planning really shouldn't be your first line of defense and safeguarding. Um, what we're really trying to do up front is uh, look at ways where we can maybe work with your property and casualty agency, work with your business insurance carrier. To see if there's some low-cost ways to um, to you know push the defense onto the insurance companies by by buying insurance. So, for example, a personal umbrella policy. You know, I have one. I have a I have my own homeowners, my auto. You probably have the same thing. And then I also have an umbrella policy for two million dollars, just so that if there was something that was to happen, 
somebody slips and falls in my driveway, somebody falls at my office, or there's something that occurs where that creates liability at my office, uh, what happens is the the people who might go after you to get uh, compensation for that, they're going to see that you have an umbrella policy, and they're going to first go there. And just as we talked about in the other example where the bank has more capital and more people to fight you, if we can push some of this this responsibility off to an insurance company that fights for a living, you mm-hmm. know, on this, these kind of matters, it's a very low cost, high benefit way, um, you know, to protect you initially. Yeah. And then you could also do the same thing for your business. So I have, a, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a business owner myself. Um, when we work with our insurance agents, we get high liability insurance so that we can make sure that, um, you know, if, if something happens through the business, I'm covered also. So when, as it relates to my clients, what we typically do is when we assemble these teams, we have, like I said, attorneys, CPAs, trust officers that collaborate for each client. We also have a, what we call a high net worth or high end uh, property and casualty agent, because oftentimes clients are very complicated. They might have homes, properties, or businesses, autos in different states. Um, many, like the traditional state farms, auto, you know, the traditional local insurance companies and agents typically don't work across state lines. Um, and you, so what you're really looking for is a professional that can really evaluate the whole picture, look at the, all your liability on each different um, list of your assets, and really do a comprehensive plan to minimize your risk. Mm-hmm. So that's really the first step, and that's pretty basic, you know, is really just getting involved with a high net worth um, property and casualty agent who can get on your team, collaborate with us so that we're, you know, at the very least, um, you know, limiting your liability up front. All right. So that's the first step. Where do we go from there? So the next step is, you know, once you've done that, um, there's really some, some tips that we go through with our clients or a checklist that we walk through for asset protection planning. And first and foremost, we talk about the fact that um, asset protection is not about hiding wealth. Um, and it should be very transparent. And this is usually when we, um, when we're talking to somebody, we get a little uh, feedback from them because when they, when you, like I said earlier, when you, when you read about um, protecting assets or when you get a lot of solicitations from people who are looking to help you with this, oftentimes they talk about offshore or moving assets or doing things so that people can't find assets mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. making sure that it's private. But the reality is, with a lot of these techniques, you want them to be transparent so creditors or anyone who's really coming after you will see what you've done and understand that it's going to be very difficult for them to try and go after your assets if that's what their that's what their goal is. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. And, and I'll just give you a quick example. So um, we're in the Midwest, like you, Eric, and we have um, have a number of farming clients, and recently working with a family that has. Um, a fair amount of farmland that has very, we've basically worked with the attorney to create very complicated ownership, not necessarily to protect the assets, but for estate planning, because you've got multiple generations looking to preserve and protect the farmland, you know, passing it to the next generation. And so the one of the, the G3 or the third generation kids is getting married. And um, so there is the conversation we had with the, the person getting married as well as their fiance about a prenuptial and um, a prenuptial agreements, you know, are, are, are complicated, but yet 
Um, and there's kind of a connotation where, you know, it's something that the super wealthy do or that's not something that I need to focus on. But the reality is when you're trying to protect something like this farmland, passing down two, three, four generations and keeping it in the family, it's just important that you have a fully transparent um, an agreement like that up front so that if something ever happened, God forbid, you know, in this marriage, that the uh, the property being transferred, the farm being transferred down to the next generation and further won't be impacted negatively. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's, people have a bad taste in their mouth about prenups. Oh, you're, you're already saying that the marriage is going to fail and, and, and so on and so forth. There's all sorts of verbiage around that. But, but honestly, if, if you're just wise, period, it's not about the husband or the wife or the, the fiance in, in this case, it's about the entire family and it's about a legacy that needs to be preserved no matter what happens. And God bless you. You found a great woman or you found a great husband and, and we wish you the best, but we're still going to protect the entire family. You know, it's, that's that this person was your choice, but our choice is to protect the ongoing generations. Exactly. And, and what I, what I found in working with the attorney and I had a great attorney uh, sit in a meeting with myself and then this couple that's getting married is that, the law requires, and, and each state is different, and I'm not an attorney, and I'm not practicing law, but what I, dis, what I understood and what he communicated very well was that transparency is, is critical for these agreements, meaning mm-hmm. that if at some point down, down the road something does happen with the marriage where there is a divorce, you have to really document that this uh, fiancé who was not, you know, in the, who was joining the family, really was, full, it was fully disclosed what was going on, why. Um, and, and actually that then he or she also gets his own, his or her own, own representation. And you, you really want to document that you offered that. So my point is it law requires that you have a very, very transparent, um, agreement and a fully open and discussion with it. So that's probably one of the reasons why it's such a difficult topic too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also, you know, that, that gets to things you got to watch out for. And I do run across this periodically where a client will come to me and say, um, I have an example, like three years, two, three years ago, I had a client selling a, a, a practice and um, he had, through his association uh, out in California, they had con- connected with an attorney or, and then also a CPA who, well, actually we thought he was a CPA, but they were recommending a super aggressive private strategy of moving the business offshore, uh, selling offshore, you know, the guy was claiming, well, Apple does this all the time. You know, big companies do this all the time. So that that's what we're doing. And the point is, it just it wasn't a strategy that could be done. Um, and it was definitely illegal. So hmm. any, it's just something to watch out for. Anytime yeah. people are saying that they can, you know, avoid taxes, uh, keep it private, move it offshore, you, you trust, but super be careful and verify. Yeah. And, and when somebody says, well, well, Apple's doing it or, well, Microsoft does it. That's not a justification for why you should do it. <laughs> when they, when they start saying stuff like that, that's when you kind of kind of wonder. Uh, okay, so yeah, and he was saying, "Hey, but uh, the music legend Bono does it." We're like, "Yeah, well, that doesn't mean we can do it." You know, I mean, it's just it was really kind of funny if it wasn't so scary. Yeah, exactly. And the other part too is, you know, if there's ever a bankruptcy, for example, you know, or somehow not, maybe not you're not filing bankruptcy, but somehow you're connected into it. Um, the law is very specific about, you know, um, things you can and can't do. And, you know, oftentimes when we talk about, uh, you know, uh, 
one or two different thing, multi-dimensional planning, we could do a lot of estate planning, like we talked about with the farmland, or I've done situations where the client is buying a condo for a, a son or daughter, you know, and as a result of putting it in an, a limited liability corp, and there's some asset protection there, but the, the purpose is estate planning. So when you're, when you're in front of a judge, whether it's divorce or bankruptcy or somebody suing you, you know, oftentimes if it's for estate planning that has a secondary benefit of asset protection, there's a purpose and it's accepted as opposed to just doing something purely for hiding. Um, so it's just a stronger case. That's mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. The other thing, the other kind of main concept we talk about is, you know, you need to do it well before um, you need to, you need to have it in place. So for example, I have another client where they're looking to sell a, a practice, sell a business, and they're targeting probably four to five years down the road. And one of the strategies we're implementing is, you know, transitioning that business over the next two or three years down to Florida, which is a low, uh, no, no income tax state. You know, there's also states like Nevada, Wyoming, and others. But in this case, there's a business purpose. There's also a personal reason for moving it to Florida. And so if we can establish that we've moved it down to Florida, when the sale does occur, you're not fighting with the state, you know, the state regulators or the state tax collectors about, you know, why they should collect the tax versus, you know, paying nothing in Florida. And the point is, you know, you don't want to be considered doing anything fraudulent. You want to do things well in advance with a real business purpose and you you need to document, you know, all the way down the road. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, there's a, I, you know, I hesitate and I never want to mention companies, but there's one in the news right now where um, it relates to the opioid crisis we're having in the in the country. And you know, there's a company in particular that was alleged to be, you know, mm-hmm. selling more of these opioids than they should have. And anyway, the the state regulators have have really gone hard against them. And as a result, the company's filing bankruptcy. But in the news. The claim by the regulators is that the comp- the family has moved billions of dollars out of the company to to all kinds of different personal accounts. And I'm not making a claim that that happened. I'm just saying I'm reading the paper, and this is an example of somebody who likely, if it's true, waited too long. Or you know, it, it, when you do things in anticipation of bankruptcy, of you know, criminal claims and things like that, that's definitely not a good thing. Yeah, that's a that's a no no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I guess, you know, I'll just say also that, you know, when we do asset protection planning, we focus on being very flexible. I don't want to lock a client into something that's irrevocable and can't be changed. We also focus on, you know, doing multiple strategies. Like I said, doing things for estate planning that also might have the benefit of protecting assets, uh, you know, for the family. Um, the other part of it is we always want to make sure that it's cost effective. A lot of these strategies that people talk about or, or that we read about are very expensive, and you always need to weigh the cost-benefit. What would work for some families you know, might work for Warren Buffett, but doesn't necessarily make financial sense to you know, one of my clients. So cost-benefit is always a big thing. So we look at multiple strategies. We, we look at specific needs. We measure the cost and benefit, and we, and we make sure that the client knows what they're getting into and whether there's you know long-term financial commitments for these strategy, uh, for also for these strategies, and then the other part of it is that we we also want to make sure that we're we're working with their team if they if they have any weaknesses in their teams we we help them get it, and we also want to regularly review the strategies because 
strategies in, in particular with asset protection change a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, laws change, uh, tax laws change, but also there's this is an this is a uh, sector or a part of the industry where you know people are continually working to come up with new ideas, and so we're always uh, what we call stress testing these ideas to see if they are going to work under you know all circumstances or, or what the cost benefit will be for our clients. So we we usually do a stress test for our clients at least once a year as it relates to their comprehensive plan. But as it relates to you know asset protection in particular, we always want to make sure we're documenting um, as you know as as the laws change because they change quickly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I mean that's the beauty of what you do. We've talked about it on a lot of podcasts before. This is that you really help to make sure that the entire team is organized, so that when those changes do come through, you're working with that tax professional, you're working with the attorneys, um, and and getting everything updated, being able to stress test everything because you're. You know, you're working as an entire team. So, uh, and I know that your clients appreciate it. Let me ask you this. When you're talking with this team, how easy is it for them to pivot uh, when you do these stress tests to say, yep, we need to make some changes? Well, we make sure that all the advisors working and collaborating for each client are fully up to date and involved in each of the meetings. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about strategies and and Maybe um, new strategies that are available, uh, reviewing existing plans that we have in place. Oftentimes, we've we've been talking about it on, as an ongoing process. So, yeah, pivoting is is relatively easy because we're we're typically always talking about the, the pros and cons, the cost and benefit, and we're working and making these decisions as a team. Obviously, the client ultimately makes the decision, but we're as a group we're recommending and each giving our opinion, thoughts on the pros and cons. All right. And so if somebody's listening to this podcast right now, Tim, they're like, okay, I don't know if my advisor does that. I don't, I don't think they work with my entire team. I don't even think they've met my attorney. Uh, if they want to reach yeah. out to you, number one, how do they get a hold of you? And then number two, what are the first steps? Excellent. So we find that in the super high net worth, the major thing they do different is that they have a process where they stress test their plans, including their asset protection plan, on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. That's just something that other um, we we run across, other clients we run across, or prospects we run across don't. So if you're looking to stress test your plans, whether it's the asset protection or all the the variables of your plan, you could reach out to me at tscanell at hightoweradvisors.com. You can call me at two one nine two four six five three seven zero, or just check out our website, Hightower Great Lakes. And uh, you can see a number, you can find a number of resources there. Fantastic. Thank you, sir. This was a great podcast. And thank you all for listening to the Wealthstream podcast with Tim Scannell. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Tim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Hightower Great Lakes, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealthstream podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. 
Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Great Lakes. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Great Lakes is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors LLC.